Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Today, we're bringing back our CEO, Molly Olapini, and our first Global Autism Project partner, Pooja Panesser from Kaizora in Nairobi, Kenya. For almost 20 years, the Global Autism Project has been providing sustainable clinical, administrative, and leadership training to autism centers around the world seeking guidance. Our Skill Corps Volunteer Program is an opportunity for self-advocates and professionals to travel to our international partner sites and collaborate with their local teachers and therapists. We're currently accepting Skill Corps applications for travel in 2022. Begin your journey today at globalautismproject.org forward slash That's S-K-I-L-L-C-O-R-P-S. And as a listener of our show, take advantage of the following coupon code to waive the application fee. It's Autism Podcast, with no space in all caps. If you'd like to learn more about the Global Autism Project's history and mission, please listen to my conversation with Molly in Episode 2. And to learn more about Pooja and her work at Kaizora, listen to Episode 9 with her co-director, Brooke Jadida. In this conversation, we discuss the early days of partnership between Molly and Pooja, sustainable support, how Skill Corps is different from volunteerism or white saviorism, what Pooja likes to share about Kenyan culture with Skill Corps teams, and advice for future Skill Corps travelers. In this episode, discover what's possible when sustainability is made essential. To learn more about our organization and the work we do, you can visit our website, globalautismproject.org. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at autismpodcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our community on Mighty Networks at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I bring you Maliola Penny and Pooja Panesser. Hi, Molly. Hi, Pooja. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for having us. So, you two have known each other for quite some time now. Pooja, you're the Global Autism Project's first official partner. How did you two first connect? That's an interesting question. I remember getting an email from somebody who worked in the U.S., and they were actually interested in whether or not I could provide some funding so that they could travel to provide training, a short workshop in Kenya. And so I remember asking, you know, like, where in Kenya are you going? Who are you working with? And then we had a Skype call with um, Pooja and this individual and a couple other people and I. And then from there, Pooja and I were in touch with each other. <laughs> she was sharing what was happening at Kaizora in Nairobi. And it was, it was really incredible. Yeah, this was in 2010. <laughs> I know. What were those early years of partnership like? <laughs> What was it like for you, Pooja? <laughs> it definitely was not the Global Autism Project in Kaizora. It was very much Molly and Pooja. <laughs> Kaizora was a one-woman show and Global Autism Project, same thing. So it was a lot of communication between the two of us and how to improve services. I was looking for training. I had been searching for scholarships or some kind of financial support to get my master's, to be able to pursue my BCBA. It was through the networking that way that I got in touch with Molly for mine. That was how we got connected. And yeah, so it was very much me looking for ways to improve the services I was providing because I had limited experience that I came back with, but a huge demand. And I was very adamant that if I'm going to work with children, with autism, I need to make sure that I'm providing something that is quality, that is evidence-based, and to try and avoid the procedural drift. So that was what got us talking a lot initially. 
And the early days, just to be clear, I didn't even go to Kenya for a few years. We didn't, we didn't have that kind of money. And so I remember it very well. I was specifically trained in fluency-based precision teaching. We were looking at fluency versus mastery. That was one of the initial things. Pooja explained to me this other thing she does, this DTT, this mastery. And I was sort of like, what about fluency? And so I was trained in fluency-based precision teaching. So I will never forget sitting there at the Skype, like holding up the fluency chart and kind of like moving it up and down to see if the camera was frozen. So I'd be like, okay, do you see that? Okay. So that's called a timing line. Okay. A timing bar. Okay. And she'd be like, oh, it's frozen. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I'd be like, okay, let me know when the paper's moving. And then when she could see the paper moving over the screen, she would say like, okay, the paper's moving. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to zoom out and zoom out. And then I was going to like pull my arms back a little bit. One night we had been at this for hours and I was like, well, you are just doing an incredible job. Like I'm always so impressed with everything that you're up to and what you're doing. And I remember her just being like, really? Like, like I have no way of knowing. And I was like, well, your kids are improving. (laughs) You know, like the kids are doing really well. And I think I realized in that moment that yes, the Global Autism Project provides training and also provides camaraderie and a relationship and a true collaboration. And I was learning so much from her just about the community and the kids she was working with and some of the challenges. And Kazora was... It was in a, a very sweet little building. I think it had two or three classrooms, did it, Pooja, at that time? Yeah, three. Three. Yeah, so it's such a sweet little building. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that was really the early days. Lots of Skype calls. We didn't have this fancy thing called Zoom. We didn't have this fancy thing called WhatsApp. We barely had this fancy thing called Facebook. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it dates the organization a lot and me to say that, but... Yeah, I mean, we we met over this thing called Skype that was very fancy at the time. (laughs) (laughs) We could see each other. It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was really a game changer. And so soon after those early years came SkillCore, right? And Pooja, you actually helped build SkillCore literally by handing out flyers at ABAI conferences. And... Also by providing feedback over the years that's helped us refine our approach. Yeah, and also being a Skill Core member. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true. right. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, could you explain for our listeners who aren't familiar with Skill Court just a kind of brief overview of what the program is? Yeah. So Skill Core is at its At its core, it is a two-week international travel experience where people travel to our partner sites to work with the local community. There's an important distinction there to not work for the local community, to not do what we think is best, but to really collaborate and work with. One of the hallmarks of the program is that we actively recruit a professionally diverse group of people. We recruit for professional diversity. We recruit for neurodiversity. The only requirement to be a skill core participant is that you have personal or professional experience with autism. We really value the importance of people's personal lived experience, whether that's as an autistic self-advocate, whether that's as a sibling. And there's something really valuable that happens, you know, when you're in another country, it's almost like you're you're in learn mode, you're in sponge mode, you know, you're just kind of taking it all in. You're you're in a totally different environment than you typically are, certainly when you're working. And so, you know, for years, we really thought that the program was um, mostly professional development, that you really learn to develop as a professional. And what we've found over nearly a decade of Skill Corps is that there's a huge level of personal development that happens as well, that when you are in that sponge mode, when you are outside your comfort zone, there's just this amazing transformation that happens. And I think, you know, having not had SkillCore for a few years and me having a lot of time to personally connect with SkillCore alums, I've really gotten to see the impact and specifically the lasting impact that SkillCore has made on people. So yeah, that's the program. And as you mentioned, it was just Pooja and I at a conference with some flyers. She was in my apartment in Brooklyn when we dreamed up SkillCore and we literally found someone in India online to design flyers 
because we did the math of the time and we needed the flyers in two days. And we certainly didn't have anyone on our staff who could do this fancy graphic design, you know. So we found someone in India to design the flyers. We found a company in Texas to print the flyers and they overnighted them. It was literally like overnightflyers.com or something. They overnighted them to Seattle. The flyers got to Seattle before we did. And there we were standing at ABAI asking people if they've ever heard of Skillcore. And it was fascinating. Some people said yes. And we were like, oh, no, you have not. <laughs> so, um, so that's how we started the conversation. And yeah, we had applications after that conference. And it has really just been never looked back. We've had hundreds of people participate and just really have an incredible experience. So that's Skillcore. <laughs> so tell us about your Skillcore trip, Pooja. Yeah, I went for school. I went to India. We were in the same hotel room. I was the trip leader. That's when I led all the trips. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really exciting um, trip. It was a number of us. There was Molly, then there was three or four, four or five other people. I think it was six of us. But it was really exciting because we we went to Sorem and we were working with the teams over there. They have everything from early learners to vocations. So it was amazing for me as somebody who runs a center on what the you know possibilities are because I had young children at the time and no adults. So it was really interesting for me to see how they were working with adults as well. But I got to use my skills in the young learners classrooms, in the autism classroom to be specific, which was amazing because I also got to work alongside a BCBA. And at that time, I had um, I was already doing my courses in ABA, so it helped with my supervision, first of all. But the amount of you know, learning that you get between working alongside other professionals, but also in a new environment, being able to understand how they're doing what they do successfully. You know, not everything can be duplicated, replicated, but you take little bits of things and these little bits that stay with you from all your experiences in different parts of the world with different professionals, with different um you know, different experiences, there's always a little snippet that stays with you from everywhere. When you bring that in together, you end up creating something that is unique for what your needs are, but you have that toolkit, you have that base that you need. So it was really fun because I got to see how they were working with the children, how they were working with the adults. I got to hear insight from the professionals that I was working with. And I also got to teach a workshop or two, which was so exciting, you know, Um, share what I know as well so that the others there could take their little snippet from what I had to share as well. So it was, it was very fulfilling. So Pooja, you went from being a skill core member to an alumni, of course, and then eventually having teams visit your own center in Kenya. So what was that like for you to receive and host our volunteers? Yes, I was receiving skill core teams even before I traveled. So it was really nice to to have seen what happens at my center before before I went to a different place as well. Oh, okay. Our first skill core team was one person (laughs) before skill core was official. So it's been many years since it's been going on. Um, It has been amazing. Um, And there's been a lot of growth. So... It was also a program that we kind of defined as we went along. We looked at where um, the gaps were, what was needed more, where do we need more systematic continuation. So systems were developed to ensure that there is continuation, that what was worked on initially, what our priorities are, what are looked at as priorities as well, and what is actually um pursuit and training and development and all the different aspects that we required. So that had been amazing because it wasn't um, the case that I have these experts coming to the center and telling me what I should do and how I should do it. And then after three months, we have some more people and come and say, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. Let's do it this way. So it was none of that, but it was more like I had teams who were coming to listen. The first day was always, um, or even before they came, there's always hearing out what my priorities are for the center, 
What are the targets that we're looking at? Um, is it manning? Are we looking at behavior issues? Are we looking at, you know, maybe safety training? What are the different aspects that we need to prioritize right now? And as they listened to that, then um, I also had... Um, I'm very strict about how things go on at the center. I'm very OCD about that. <laughs> but I would have um, a system whereby if you have suggestions for change or anything, you need to take them through me before they go to my staff. And everyone was very respectful about that. So, um, you know, any changes that were proposed or suggested, they first came through me. So I would be able to see, is this something that will be sustainable? Is this something that we can actually develop as a system into our center and keep it going? Is it relevant to what we're doing? Is it culturally appropriate? And then I would be able to say, okay, yes, this is how we're going to roll it out. And I would have that team of professionals to help me roll it out. So every time I would struggle with maybe you know, we need a bit more hands-on in terms of training this topic or this aspect. This is where Skillco would always be there to back me up and we'd be able to move forward with it. So it's always been an amazing experience. The continuation has been great. Um, I don't feel that I had um, people coming to tell me what I should do, but more like coming to support what I was already doing and showing me other suggestions, which, you know, we, we must always be open to. Yeah, it really speaks to the model, I think, too, where it is about doing with and not for. It is about collaboration. You know, certainly there's no way that just going in for a couple of weeks at a time, we're going to ever know what's best. And so it really is, it really is a collaboration. Our work is led by our partners. And, you know, again, having that professionally diverse team is such an incredible opportunity. And I think, you know, as Pooja is talking about, people come to her with recommendations, with suggestions. And a lot of people who travel with us, especially as ABA companies become sort of larger and larger and it gets more difficult to go right to the CEO or, you know, of the company, they're not even sure how to have a conversation to make a recommendation even to their BCBA or to their clinical director. And so they get that practice, the skill core members get that practice of having those conversations and really thinking all the way through whatever recommendation they're making and really doing it as well with an eye towards sustainability. We always talk about how everything we do has to pass the flyaway test, meaning when we fly out of that country, Whatever it is that we were working on should be sustainable, should be wanted, should be relevant so that it continues. We don't really care what is going on when we're there right in front of everybody. We care what's going on when we fly away. And that's something that you also, one of the many lessons that Skill Corps members get while they're in the field, and again, they really get it while they're in the field because they're in that kind of sponge mode, like, okay, how can we do this? And sustainability is so important because we won't be here. But then they come home and they use some of those frameworks that we use to create sustainable change. They use some of those frameworks in the families with the families that they're working with, right? So really prioritizing what are the needs of this family at this time in the same way that we prioritize what are the needs of the center. And, you know, what is essential right now? We talk about this framework where it's essential, preferable, or preferable to me. And if we're being honest, a lot of times when recommendations are made, they're made in the category of preferable to me. Like it's preferable to me that it gets done this specific way. And when you stay in the preferable to me space, you lose out entirely on what's essential. And so they get to play with this framework and other frameworks when we're traveling and when we're on a team with people we don't we don't know, actually. And then when people go home, they have those lessons and those, those takeaways to apply to their own work. So, Yes, exactly. And, you know, since we've opened up applications, we've had a lot of questions from people who are interested in Skill Corps. And I think it would be good for us to explain how our Skill Corps program differs from other, quote, volunteerism programs. And this may be a new term for some people. So first, could you explain what volunteerism is and also the potential dangers around it? Yeah. So the easiest way to think about volunteerism is essentially a revolving door of people who come 
to volunteer without any context, without any support, and generally with no accountability or no no outcomes that they're they're looking for. And it's a very popular way to run volunteer programs. They happen all over the world. And to be honest, because that was the model that I knew about for what it looks like to have people travel internationally, I always said, like, we're never, we're never doing that volunteer travel thing. We're really not. And then I came across this idea of a blue ocean strategy. And a blue ocean strategy is where you create something that has not been created. And so you look at different aspects of what is already out there and you do it differently. So a classic example of this is a circus versus Cirque du Soleil, right? So a circus has animals, has cheap food, has, you know, not cheap as in the cost, cheap as in junk food, right? Usually. And Cirque du Soleil is human performers and it's a very nice meal. And, you know, a circus is generally taking place in a Madison Square Garden type place. And Cirque du Soleil is in this beautiful tent in a park. And so they really make it completely different. And so when I got that, we don't have to do it the way it's been done. And if there's a model that exists and that model's not working, that doesn't mean you just plug into that model and go, well, this is how you do it, create something totally new. And so SkillCore is totally new. So we looked at in your traditional volunteerism program, you don't get a whole lot of support pre-trip. They sort of say, hey, send us our money and we'll see you at the airport. Or even better, we'll see you at the airport in the country you're going to. And so SkillCore is totally different. You have a ton of support. You join a community right away. We have a Facebook group where we're connecting people. We have phone calls where we're connecting people. We have fundraising support. And then you meet in a central location with your team before you travel And so you have a few days of training here in the U.S. and then you travel. And then when you travel, you have a team leader with you the entire time. And that team leader is really trained in supporting your personal and professional growth. So they're not just there to be kind of a a figurehead and a a body. They're really there to support you in, in your growth. And then afterwards, of course, you join an incredible community of alums. And you, if you're like about, I think last checked, it was like 60% of our travelers sign up for another trip. Pooja, is volunteerism a problem in Kenya? Like what are some ways that you might see it there? So I'm not sure of other organizations. Um, I'll speak for my own. I used to get some emails and, you know, communication from people who used to say, oh, I hear you're working with children with autism. I'd love to come in, volunteer at your place for a while. So initially, I think we did maybe one or two, if at all. But it's not very significant because you have an extra person. You're accommodating a guest in a way because they don't know your system. They don't know your way. So after that, since SkillCore had started, I would always redirect them because I know that if I have a professional who does not know what I am doing in the context I'm doing it with and the purpose that I have, my mission, my vision, they're not going to be able to meet my requirements. And if you're here for maybe one week or two weeks, honestly, it's you're hosting a guest and you're trying to make the person comfortable and they might help run some sessions. You might see one or two things, but then they go. And Molly talked about the flyaway test. That doesn't apply at all. So it was, as things got busy as well, it's not something that I have time to do. Whereas with SkillCore, it was much easier because you know what we've been working on for the last year. You know what our priorities are, what our goals are. And it was easy to then work with the team. And because there's always the leader and there's the continuation from the previous trip to the trip now, it made life a lot easier. So I didn't even take many volunteers. I used to just redirect them that you are very, very welcome. Just come through SkillCore so that... You know, you're coming in a system that kind of works and it also makes my life much easier and you will be more effective. You will be more impactful that way. Yeah, I think that's the biggest piece, the biggest opportunity for people, right, who want to go to another country and they want to have that experience is that 
if you want to have that experience and have it be meaningful and have it be effective and have it make lasting change, that's skill core, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Molly, you were mentioning all of the prep work that goes into going on a skill core trip, like orientation. And in my own preparation for this conversation, I went and looked up my first workbook from when oh. I went to Uganda, <laughs> and I have it right here. Yeah. And there's this page that actually really distinguishes very clearly the difference between volunteerism and skill core, because there are a lot of values that overlap, right? Like people want yes. to do good. People want yeah. to help other people. That's why they sign up for a trip. Absolutely. I'll just highlight some of the differences, like things that might go under volunteerism are give what I can when I can. And I own the responsibility for change. And it's coming from a sympathetic approach with others. Whereas with skill core, it's work with what they have. And you presume competence and believe in potential, create change for those in need and build on their ideas. Like what Pooja was saying about not telling her what to do, but supporting her in projects that she's already working on. So you can really see clearly in the language how there's an emphasis on empowering the locals with skill core. Yeah. You know, if you meet someone like Pooja and like any of our other partners, it's none of our partners are like these quiet people just doing the best they can with what they have. Like, no, these are like leaders and change makers and earth shakers, you know, and you don't, you don't just kind of like quietly put together and do the best you can. If you're the one person in the, in some cases in the country who has taken on doing this work, they're the people changing the world. And why not be connected to a network of other people doing this work? I mean, I just think about back in the day when it was when it was just Pooja and I versus the conversations that we get to have now and how Pooja now provides a mentorship to our other partners from around the world and our partners who have who have been here longer provide that guidance and provide that mentorship because I mean none of our partners are like these quiet little people doing this little thing and like, oh, poor them. Like, no, like it's like such a preposterous idea to think about, honestly. I mean, our partners are amazing. And I just have just so much respect and reverence for what they're up to. And it's this tremendous honor to get to be a part of it at all. And I remember years ago, I was learning coaching and they said, you know, really like the best people to coach are the ones who like, they're going to get there anyway. And what you get to do is like bring in the coaching and the support to just get there a little faster, like just shorten their learning curve. Every single one of our partners is going to get to where, where we're going, wherever that is. And our role is just to shorten the learning curve is just to provide the support and the network. And I think, you know, in the last couple of years dealing with COVID, it has been apparent how strong the network between the partners is. We've been in communication. We've had our partners on, on calls from that very first phone call in which we said we had to cancel the trips in, in February of 2020. And the network and the support that they provide to each other is a really big part of this. And it's not a like us and them thing. You know, it's it's truly a collaboration where we all come together and we all support each other. And I learn so much and we all learn so much. And I think that's one of the things that just really sets Skillcore apart. There is not us over here with Skillcore and them over there working with the kids. It's like, okay, we're all going to put together whatever we have and create something. And again, just, just shorten a learning curve. I mean, I've had coaching and support to grow the Global Autism Project in the way that I have. And that's really, why wouldn't you have access to that just because you're, you're in a place where that's not necessarily available? You know, that being said, too, in the close to 20 years that the Global Autism Project has been around, I don't know how that happened, there is more international work happening and there are more people. And so, you know, I think sort of in the next phase of the Global Autism Project, hopefully we'll be able to continue to support and grow that community of, of people who are doing this work outside of the U.S. and really create friendships and collaborations just with more, more people. There's just, there's such 
great information that happens, you know, here in the US, especially we're now the world of autism um, has really shifted to in a lot of ways and, and not completely, not perfectly, but has really shifted to listening to adults who received ABA as a child and learning from that and learning from those people and how great to be able to share that globally as well. So it's not a, we know what's best. Here's what's happening. It's a, Hey, things have changed a lot in 20 years. Here are some of the things changing in this community and in that community. So, yeah, I have a little soapbox about how amazing our partners are. (laughs) So from the outside looking in, you know, the work we do may be perceived as white saviorism and you know, just to define, the phrase refers to a white person who acts to help non-white people, but in a context that can be perceived as self-serving. So how do you respond to people who accuse you of being a white savior? Yeah, I love that question. And something that has come up more and more, um, certainly in the last 20 years and Certainly in the last couple of years, I think that the conversation has shifted more to that. You know, and really, it's something that that I've looked at and that I've interrogated, of course. And, you know, this organization from the very start has been always looking at and course correcting and shifting. And, you know, you walk into orientation on the first day and I say, we used to do it this way and that didn't work. You know, and when I really look at the work that we're doing in the context of, is it self-serving or is it truly benefiting the world? The people that I have that conversation with are our partners. The people that I really value the feedback of are the people that I work most closely with. What I have noticed is that this, and I, I'm not totally sure what it is that has created this, but there is this very quick jump to you hear something and you immediately discuss how it's problematic. And what I've also noticed is that in those conversations, when I have a discussion with somebody about what we're doing is problematic, when we actually have a discussion, when we actually get beyond the knee-jerk reaction, we find that there are points of of agreement. And one example of that outside of the white savior conversation is I have a lot of conversations with autistic self-advocates who say ABA is bad and you shouldn't be doing ABA. And please tell me you're not doing things like teaching eye contact or you're teaching the kids not to stim. And I'll have a conversation with them and I'll understand where that comes from for that person, what it's like in their world, and then have a conversation about, okay, so what if you're in a culture where if you engage in these behaviors, you can be at risk of actual physical harm? And then they're sort of like, oh, I hadn't quite thought of it like that. And I think that for this entire conversation, there's a nuance that seems to have just fallen out. I mean, it it has just fallen out, the nuance of it, the details of it. It's like, it is this or it is not this. And I think, you know, whenever I have, whenever people accuse me of that or um, neocolonialism or, I mean, there's a long list, I'm really always interested in having that conversation and just really just really looking at where does that come from? What about our work? And oftentimes when people actually engage in that conversation and we explain what it is that we're actually doing, they tend to see that, oh, this is a a little bit different. This is outside of what I know to be true about US-based organizations. I don't know if you remember, Pooja, but we were having lunch with your staff and talking about NGOs and, and Joe, one of your staff members at the time said like, why are we talking about NGOs? And I was like, well, because the glo- and that's non-governmental organization. And I said, well, because the Global Autism Project is an NGO. And I just really want to look at, you know, how do NGOs work? How do we work? And he was like, wait, what? And I was like, well, I want to look at how NGOs work and how we work because I don't really have great perspective. I don't spend a lot of time around other organizations. I want to learn more. And he was like floored that the Global Autism Project was an NGO. He's like, no, I just thought you were friends with Pooja from when she lived in Canada for a short time. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what? And I was like, this is a very proud moment for me. <laughs> you know, like, like, I'm so glad that in our work, and that was probably our second or third trip. And he was just like, 
what on earth? And, and he was sharing, I remember he was sharing one particular story where an NGO had come in and they had built a fence to keep people safe from train tracks. There were train tracks in this village and they built a fence to keep people from going over, but it didn't stop people from going. They still had friends in that community. And so now it was even more dangerous because they had to like scale this fence to get over instead of running over train tracks. So, you know, there's a lot of things like that where it's like the local, there was just no local consideration. No one asked anyone. And so, um, yeah, but Joe just thought, oh, you, you all are obviously just friends. And I thought, well, we are, you know, like actually we are. Like real life friends, you know, just happen to share a passion for for what we're up to in the world. Well, back to SkillCore. You know, as we mentioned, applications are now open, and I'd love Pooja for you to share some of your memorable experiences with any of the trips that came to visit you. And you know, full disclosure, I used to work very closely with. Kaizora in 2019, and I was their <laughs> regional coordinator. So I was that kind of liaison that was helping make sure that the teams understood what was worked on before and help create new goals for your staff there. So what are some memorable experiences that you've had with SkillCore? Like, what are some things that you like to share about Kenyan culture when they visit? So... Kenyan culture, when you come in, initially the therapists are quite um, quiet. They'll be, um, you know, waiting to hear what you have to say. We're more on the listening side of everything. So I usually tell SkillCore that you need to break the ice. Let's engage. I talk to my staff. I talk to SkillCore and get that mingling going on. When the ice is broken, it is beautiful. We also have a social where we'll, everyone will, you know, have party time together. But the trainings are always really great. Um, initially, again, when you have somebody, when you have, there's a perception someone's coming to teach me, which sometimes starts off with, especially when we have new staff, um, but that quickly dissipates to, I can ask all the questions that I want to ask and I can get some suggestions and this is a discussion and it's a learning curve and it evolves into a very nice dynamic, um, by Rachel, what would you say? Day two, day three, easy, yeah. <laughs> you know, quite quickly. Yeah. Um, a few hours sort of. Yeah. And the memorable moments are everything from, I think we had, um, a sex ed training. Were you there for the sex ed training? I'm not sure, but we did, um, you know, we're talking about sex education and then task analysis and skill core walks and singing to the song. Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> and everyone was like, Oh, okay. You know, so we quickly got past the uncomfortable part of the conversation and moved into, okay. Kenyan culture is, is not, um, you know, very open to these kind of topics normally, but we know that this is something we're going to face with our kids. So how do we go around it? And it, it's it's been really fun to have that backup with SkillCore, especially teaching some of these things. Yeah, so there, there's so many. I mean, it's been 10 years since we started SkillCore and there's yeah. 10 years, most of those years, three times a year, I think there have been hundreds of SkillCore members that have been to Kenya. There have and, to have been. Yeah, and there have been memorable moments with each trip. And I'd love for you to share what you're up to now at Kaizora because at our last partner call, oh, yeah. you made an announcement about some of your older students. Yeah, so um, when it was Molly and Pooja back in the day, one of the babies that I had, a seven-year-old, um, is now 20, where makes me feel old now, but she's just turned 20, and we've worked through, you know, pre-academics, communication, academics, functional life skills, then we moved on to internships, so... Um, I'll take a bit of a detour. Everyone asks me, how did I end up in this? And it's really strange because it's not something that I intentionally went to or planned to do with my life. But 
after studying in Canada, when I came back, it was started from one parent who asked me to help their child. And then it moved on to a few parents saying, oh, we need a full-time program. We can't come here for one session and two sessions and three sessions where our children are not doing well in the schools. They're doing well with you. Make it happen. Okay. So I went and got training, make it happen. And then, you know, another parent will come and say, now we need this or now we need that. And I think my journey through has been listening to the families and hearing what do these kids need? Where are the gaps and how do we help them? Because I, I cannot tell you, go there. Those guys will help you. They have it all. So when there's not enough resources and you don't know where to send someone, you need to just find a way to make it happen. So that's what my journey in this field has just has been, is just finding ways to meet the needs that have been voiced. So as the kiddos have grown up, as my babies have all grown up, they became teenagers and now they need we need to start thinking about what are you going to do with your life. So we started looking for internship opportunities with the community. We got a couple. We've worked with um, one or two amazing organizations as well. And the last organization that two of my adults had their internship with, they have proposed to actually absorb them into the organization as full-time employees. So I'm very excited about moving towards employment now for my babies. Um, they're not babies. They're all bigger than me, but they're still my babies. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really amazing to be able to see that journey from, you know, the seven-year-old and then the other one was 15 or 16, and now they're both 20, 21, 22, and getting absorbed into full-time employment. And because the employment place is actually quite far from the center it's about an hour we're actually trying to look at independent living as well so there's a lot of different things that are coming up we never stop learning and searching and finding opportunities right yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the things that I so love about Pooja and working with Pooja is that it's not like her kids are going to age out. You know, the students aren't going to age out of the programming. It's, you know, yes, when she started, the kids were all younger, but that's just because the kids were all younger. And now as the students have grown into adults, she's continuing to support and, you know, talking about independent living and talking about full-time employment. I mean, that is that's really amazing. It's really incredible. And I think, you know, it's funny because somebody asked me, you know, if you had a kid with autism, where would you live? You know, you've seen programs all over the country. You've seen programs all over the world. Where would you live? And I said, I can honestly tell you that if I had a child with autism, I would move to Kenya. And they were like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Like you live in New York City? Are you kidding me? I'm like, oh yeah. Like the services are, <laughs> there's, they go swimming and they go horseback riding and they do yoga. And I know that if I had a kid with autism in Kenya, there would be a community of support for that child into their adulthood. There would not be this, you age out, good luck to you. You fell off this cliff. Sorry about your luck. Like that just does not happen in the places that we work. And, you know, I don't know any other providers who say, you know, well, yeah, we had a program for when they were four and now it will also fit them when they're 25 years old, you know? So people's needs don't go away. You know, one of the biggest things that we deal with in the U.S. is the lack of services for adults. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh, in the U.S., we do things so well. But really, if you take a step back and you have a bit of humility, you will find that at Kaizora and our other partner sites, they're actually doing things in a really, really compassionate, beautiful way. And the center in India just opened up independent living as well. So exciting. So this is huge. I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, I knew at the beginning of our pandemic, I knew that our partners, given all that they've dealt with and everything, that they were all going to be fine. I knew that. I knew that in a lot of ways, our partners were going to fare better than places here in the U.S. Um, and not only have they all survived, they have all thrived. Every single one of our partners has continued to innovate, create new programs, work with more students. I mean, it's just, it's just been unbelievable to see. 
And I think that's one of the things you get from Skill Core too. You get to work alongside people who are, you know, it's not about your resources. It's about your resourcefulness. And when you get to work alongside people who really, truly embody that and take that on, I cannot tell you how many Skill Core members go and they look at the homemade materials that Pooja has and they're taking pictures and going like, ooh, we could make this at our center. We could do this for our kids. <laughs> And it's really great for Pooja's team to see that too, is that they're like, oh, what we're doing here, they want to bring back because it's so great. It's really an incredible gift to get to work, you know, with people from around the world who are not just figuring it out, but like solving for things, you know, and Buckminster Fuller reminds us that you don't just change things. You create a new model that makes the old model obsolete. And I think that that is something that Skillcore and our partner sites are doing all the time is just creating a new model for international collaboration that makes voluntourism obsolete because it just, it just really works. It really makes a difference. And I do want to point out that we have another episode, episode number nine, I believe, with Pooja and your co-director, Brooke. And in that episode, you talk a lot about your multidisciplinary approach. So I encourage listeners who want to learn more about the work that you're doing at Kaizora to go listen to that one. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to close with one last question. Uh, what advice would you give to future Skill Corps volunteers, whether they are looking at our website, unsure if they should apply, or maybe they're already accepted and they're in their fundraising process? Be a sponge. Just be open. Um, when you're going into a new culture, when you're going into a new place, just go with an open mind without... Let's, let's leave the learning history. So I normally tell my staff when you come to the center, you know, everyone has their baggage of issues. There's always a backpack we carry around with all our problems. Just leave it over there at the gate. Um, it will be looked after for you. Come work with the kids. When you're leaving, you can pick it up on your way out. So in the same way, um, when you're coming and there's so much to look forward to, we all come with so much learning history and all the conceptions that you have already from what you've learned in the past, what your experiences have been. You can drop those at the airport. Security there is awesome as well. <laughs> and then come and take it all in, whether it's Kenya, whether it's a different culture as well. The more we listen and learn and just absorb, the more we grow as well. Come and take it all in. It's an amazing experience. Share what you have. Obviously, you're coming to share your expertise as well. So that's something you should bring along. But um, soak it all up. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think I would say the same thing. Soak it all up and enjoy it. You know, there's something really, really powerful. And I've spent the last, you know, during COVID, really trying to sort out, like, what is it that, that skill core members have in common? What is it? Like alums, right? There's something to a skill core alum. Like what is it that they do? And what I got is that skill core members know themselves as people who say they're going to do something and then they do it. They say they're going to raise the money and then they do it. They say they're going to travel to a country and then they do it. And there is something so powerful and available to you when you become that person who knows yourself as someone who says you're going to do something and you do it. It is really easy on the fundraising journey. It is really easy when trips are delayed due to COVID to say, you know what, eh, never mind, you know, like that. Nah. And I think my, my advice would be like, stay with it. Like be with it. Trust that whatever's coming up for you is for you. Like it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Right. And, you know, some of the people who are some of our 2020 travelers have become some of our, you know, biggest fans and friends of the organization. We've been in communication with, you know, everybody. And I just think it's, it's really just, just be in it. Just, just really be in it and embrace it. Embrace the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, Skillcore has always gotten people outside of their comfort zone. And, you know, this traveling during COVID 
because I think we're now all very clear that COVID is not just going to go away. We're going to have to navigate our way around COVID that traveling during COVID, um, there's going to be more unknowns and it's going to be more outside of our comfort zone. And really just to, just to be with all of it and see what's available to you. You just never know. You never know. And I've noticed there are a number of people who have done skill core and they've become entrepreneurs and I've reached out to them this year and just been like, Hey, that's really cool that you're doing this. And they're like, you know, you said this thing in orientation that was like, whatever you want to do, just go do it. And they're like, and I realized that I was already living my life like that because I said I wanted to do skill core and I just went and did it. And so when you have that experience of yourself, it, it really shifts everything. Yes, exactly. And again, that website is globalautismproject.org forward slash skill core. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for sharing your stories with us and really showing our listeners what true partnership and collaboration looks like. It's great to hear from both of you. Thank you so much. This is great. Thank you, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. Do you want to help spread the awareness and acceptance of autism around the world? Are you interested in creating sustainable change by collaborating with local experts? If so, our SkillCore volunteer program is an opportunity you don't want to miss. Stepping outside of your comfort zone and immersing yourself in a different culture can help you grow in invaluable ways, both personally and professionally. If you'd like to learn more about our SkillCore program, check out episodes 4, 17, 53, and 66, featuring SkillCore volunteers that have been to our partner sites in India, the Netherlands, Indonesia, Dominican Republic, and Kenya, to name a few. Listen to them talk about their transformative experiences and see what SkillCore can offer you. If you're a professional working in the field of autism education or a self-advocate wanting to share your life experiences, begin your journey today at globalautismproject.org forward slash SkillCore. That's S-K-I-L-L-C-O-R-P-S. And as a reminder, you can take advantage of the coupon code to waive the application fee. Again, it's Autism Podcast, with no space in all caps. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.